What Makes a Great Leader? In the podcast series, 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, I explore this topic with Richard Lummis. We take a look at examples from history, from business, from current events, and even from the movies. If you're interested in all in business leadership, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a middle manager, this is the podcast series for you. We take a look at presidents and everyone in between. I hope you will check us out. 12 o'clock high. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. In this podcast, we take a look at the Alabama Sharpie issue, which occurred at the Trump administration during Hurricane Dorian, where the president released incorrect information either negligently or intentionally, that Hurricane Dorian was going to impact Alabama, and then to bolster his case, drew a Sharpie uh, mark on an official U.S. government hurricane tracking map to try to prove its point. We take a look at it from uh, leadership lessons. We take a look at it from corporate governance lessons. We take a look at it from the compliance angle, and finally, from internal controls. It's a great example, literally torn from the headlines, about what can happen when things go horribly and totally wrong. I know you'll enjoy it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, a compliance evangelist and the voice of compliance, backing in with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take up... Um, the following topic, some of my best friends in compliance are lawyers. And it's based upon a blog post that Matt wrote titled, entitled, Study Law to Advance Compliance Career? Question mark. So Matt, first of all, uh, welcome. And uh, why don't you, uh, I guess the first question I wanted to ask is, why did you even write this post? Uh, yeah, Tom. So I wrote this because uh, somebody asked me uh, what I thought a good continuing education strategy would be for mid-career compliance professionals. And I, I can give you some background on the woman who asked me this question. She is uh, in her early 40s and has a college degree and had worked in corporate compliance more in the healthcare sector, so a lot of uh, coding compliance, Medicare, Medicaid payment issues like that. But she had a respectable and considerable career in corporate compliance for quite a while, took a few years away from the profession to run her own business, not in compliance, and after several years, she wanted to get back in the field. And she found that there were a lot of job openings where they said either JD required or some other sort of advanced legal degree so she wanted me to kind of just share my thoughts on if you're a mid-career professional who has a college degree but is not a lawyer, does it make sense to either go to law school for a JD or even just a shorter master's for non-JD track, uh, a master of legal studies or master's of law or various other things? Um, they, they go by various names, but there are a lot of schools now that offer them on some sort of continuing education or postgraduate uh, level. 
and she was asking, like, is that sensible? Is it worth it? Is it worth it for somebody her age? I should even say our age because I was slightly older than she is. But um, that's where this post came from. In reading this several times, I, I'm often struck by your writing, but this post struck me as probably the most inner dialogue I think I've ever read from Matt Kelly. And it really seemed like you were having a debate with yourself <laughs> um, on, on a variety of different perspectives, I, I would note. Uh, and once again, noting you do like lawyers, which is good since your podcast partner is a lawyer here. Um, but why don't you kind of go through the, the mm-hmm. pros and cons or I guess maybe the issues you saw? You know, I think a lot of it is more specific to age and um, career viability and career strategies. I was struck by how many people were interested in this topic. I've had people email me and call me up um, and just ask me to share more thoughts. I should say I am not here to talk about lawyers per se, people who went to law school when they were younger and did get a JD um, so and then drifted into compliance, if that's what people have done, including yourself, Tom, more power to you, uh, or if you really like the law and you really want to study the law and you really want to be a lawyer, I would absolutely say, sure, go to law school, any age, knock yourself out. We're not talking about those two groups. We're talking more about um, people who have been in the profession for, say, 10, 15, 20 years who are still trying to burnish their credentials to be good compliance professionals but never specifically studied the law, probably picked up quite a bit of legal knowledge on the fly on their careers, but is it really worth it to spend that much money um, because it can be considerable, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for a one- or a two-year program maybe, uh, maybe it's online, maybe it's in a physical campus, but you know, you're going to devote a lot of time to getting that study and that degree. Uh, you're going to devote a lot of money. Um, whatever time you are spending on your studies, you are not spending working to pull money in, and you have to do these calculus uh, thoughts in your head, like how much money am I going to spend now? How much more money will it bring me in the future how many more years left do I have that I'm really going to be working and am I going to pay that back? Um, you know, so like I can say I'm in my mid-40s and would I say go to law school for three years? Uh, no, I wouldn't because it's a lot of cash and I don't have it. And I've got you know, mortgage and family considerations and everything else and I'm only going to be working maybe another 20 years at the most. Um, so would you earn that money back? And like I probably wouldn't go to a full law program, and you have to make the same calculations even for a one-year sort of post-grad legal program. Maybe it would make sense for some people depending on your background, but I was advising this woman really think about what other fields of study might be more productive for you over the remainder of your career. And I would make the argument that maybe for a lot of people – Studying data management or data governance would probably be a more productive thing. There's a need for that. But you can you can run all sorts of equations in your head. It's going to be very person-by-person person specific. But that's what I was trying to do with that post is kind of unravel all the considerations you have to make once you're somebody in their mid-career and trying to think about do I how do I further my education and my expertise. You know, it's interesting, Matt, because the considerations you raised of time and money I had not even put into the calculus because I assumed, number one, whoever did this in mid-career would do so on a night program, and number two, their, their current uh, employer would pay for that. 
I mean, not necessarily so. That is a good point, though. Would you, who would pay for it? And you know, if you can get your employer to pay for something, by all means, if you have the time, go ahead. Have somebody else pay for it. Um, this woman did not have that opportunity. She doesn't have any employer who would pay for her to get these studies right now. Um, I know other companies that, frankly, are pretty cheap, and they would not give you that sort of money. Um, I think the cost of these programs can vary wildly. And I'll give you one example. I know I just talked about data analytics being probably a more worthwhile investment, but I know that there is a, I will say, a large, well-known school here in Boston and where I live that I am on their mailing list. And they were sending a one-year online data analytics program and you had maybe two or three occasions throughout the course of 12 months where you'd meet in person with classmates. And at the end of it, you would get this professional certificate in data analytics from one of the best known institutions in the country that happens to be here in Boston. And all for the low, low price of $48,000. No, I'm not going to pay for that. I, I actually, I don't know how many companies would pay for that. Um, you know, probably if you're on some executive track at a very large company and you're very promising and up and coming, maybe they would. But for the vast majority of us, I think forty-eight grand for a one-year program is probably a bridge too far. Um, but you'd have to think about that. And on the other hand, I actually also kind of broke down a bit. Let's say you did get your legal studies. What would that actually teach you? Because... Most of the time, most mid-career people, you know, you're probably going to know an anti-corruption issue when you see it. And do you really need to know the nuances of how did this specific FCPA violation happen and what is our liability? And, Tom, you know, I'd be eager to hear your thoughts, but I would actually say you probably don't need to know that. It's great if you do, but if it's a serious FCPA issue, you're kicking that to outside counsel anyways. So... What you really need is to have the judgment to know this is a serious issue. I need to get legal involved right now, whether it's internal legal or you have outside counsel come in. But the criteria for compliance success on a lot of these issues isn't to know the law. It's to know when you need to call the lawyers because you've got a big legal problem. And that's not the same, and you don't necessarily need to go to law school to know that and have that judgment. Um, so I'll stop right there. But, Tom, that was one thing I posited to this woman about why maybe going – specifically to law school, you know, think about that. I don't know if you would need to, to have that level of expertise. So a couple of thoughts, Matt. The first of is, which, which is, what if we broke down the compliance professional's practice today and where it might be five years from now and maybe tried to build an educational component yep. or a series of educational components around the skills needed? Um, the... Uh, and but before we get that, I want to acknowledge Sean Rogers, who who uh, publicly responded to your um, blog post with a tweet that he had gone to law school at night um, and gotten a law degree, and, and he mm. thought it launched him into compliance. So uh, certainly there is that example. But I guess in thinking through the issues you raised, I was more interested in the less importance of law in the practice of compliance and the more importance of other skills. You mentioned data management, data governance. Uh, you also talk about uh, business performance yeah. 
you know, that opens up a wide variety of different disciplines, uh, uh, business process, process engineering, process management, uh, skills, leadership skills, uh, communication skills. None of these are taught in law school. And uh, unfortunately, the, the sure. practice, the teaching of law is based on the practice of law, which is really antithetical to the compliance uh, formulation of prevent, detect, and then remediate. So uh, perhaps um, I, I am aware of the university that uh, you're talking about because I'm on that same mailing list. And, and what I have done at that same university is I do their, uh, uh, I think their three-month courses because it's $3,000. Uh, and so I've learned uh, a variety of specific skills that I was just interested in that I've taken courses over the past several years that might be more characterized as uh, business process courses to understand how you think through those business processes. And what I found just for my own educational benefit, those were much more useful to me, and certainly the cost was much more effective. Um, the, the ongoing yeah. debate on the value of a college degree or a professional degree, such as a law degree, I also think comes into play, play here. Um, because in many ways, it's still seen as if you've got that degree, you had to stick to it to get it, get it done. And unfortunately, that seems to be of higher value than uh, technical expertise that you may have obtained through some of these certifications in less lengthy and less costly uh, courses going forward. But uh, I guess the bottom line is I see uh, you don't need to know the ins and outs of the FCPA to be an uh, excellent compliance practitioner. You need to understand some very basic uh, law, but it's, uh, is it a bribe or isn't it a bribe? Is it right or isn't it wrong? And then internal controls, policies and processes to effectuate those internal controls, and then be able to answer business process questions as they come up going forward. And what's the type of class uh, or degree or certification that's going to give you that? Or should you go in the direction of an ACFE where you learn fraud examining techniques? That certainly would be a benefit uh, as well. You know, oddly enough, uh, just before we got on the phone call here with you today, Tom, I was talking with a friend of mine who is a lawyer by training, works at a firm, and he asked me um, what did I think about a lawyer getting a certification in fraud examination. I was like, that, I think, is a certainly a much more valuable cross-training than perhaps uh, somebody who is getting cross-trained uh, vice versa who might be coming from a business process background but really, you know, needs to take a course in what the FCPA is. Like I said, if you've been doing this for 10 or 15 years, you know the basics of the FCPA. The, what I had said in my post was that if you think about these issues from the perspective of the board, let's say you have an FCPA issue. Sure, they'll probably want to know, you know, how bad of a problem is this? How did this happen? But you, the compliance professional, don't necessarily need to give them a lecture on what the legal infraction was and what the liability is because that's what you pay outside counsel to do for you. But what they are going to want to know is um, how can we prevent this from happening again or what is our overall exposure to these types of incidents? And I called it the risk of misconduct incidents at scale and how do you reduce the risk across the whole enterprise to some acceptable level. And that gets a whole lot closer to what you were saying a few minutes ago about understanding business processes, 
effective internal controls, how to diagnose controls, how to interpret large volumes of data about transactions or the effectiveness of controls, and really how to look at all of that data and draw the right inferences to be able to say we want to change this sort of a policy or amplify that sort of training. Um, that's you. I'm all for people studying the law if that's what they want to do, but the, studying the law doesn't teach you those kind of things. It's much more about brushing up on data governance, um, business processes, like you said, Tom, and that sort of vein. So my advice to this woman was if you really want to take a year and go back to burnish your credentials and you're going to pay for this yourself and it's going to cost you a, a fair bit of money. I don't know how much money she might have to spend. But if you're going to do it, there's a strong argument to be made that that's where you want to do it is on these emerging governance issues, not necessarily what the actual law is because like, you're – you're going to have outside counsel who can tell people what the law is. You only need to know when it's time to bring them in. Um, so that was my advice to her. And I find it to be uh, extraordinarily valid and valuable advice. And I should say that there are going to be plenty of people who, if you come from a data management background and you feel like you already know it, then or a business process background, and you don't necessarily know all of the ins and outs of the securities laws or which ones are most important, then – uh, you're the opposite case, and that invalidates what I just said about if you already know the law, study something else. Well, if you don't know the law but you already know something else, then, yeah, sure, go study the law. But really we're talking about career strategies, and you need to sit back and think about where can I get the most return on the investment I might need to make personally, for better or worse. There are a lot of companies cutting back their training budgets. Um and then try and figure out, you know, what is my return over the remainder of my career, which for some of us might be a lot less than a 25-year-old who's going to be working for another 40, 45 years. Yeah, sure, go to law school, knock yourself out. But for people who are 45 with a mortgage, with kids, um, they've got to think much more strategically. And that, I suppose, is my point is, you know, look at what you already know, what you're probably going to need what your bosses will need you to know, put it that way, two years, five years out, go study that stuff. And that will be really what's going to pay off for you in the future. I would add another uh, route might be uh, behavior psychology or even a master's in uh, human resources or human resource management because so many behavioral yep. psychology techniques are now embedded in uh, human resource management. And that may be an appropriate place to deliver many of the compliance uh, tool strategies and tactics that we talk about on a regular basis. I would agree wholeheartedly. A lot of corporate compliance these days is about guiding large groups of people to behave in certain ways in a preventive manner rather than cleaning up after them. Um, that's, that's human nature, that's human resources, that's HR, that's social psychology, behavioral psychology, all of that. That's, that the need for that is not going to go away. Well, Matt, after going through this exercise of this podcast with you, let me see if I could posit this and see if you think it's valid or you think perhaps uh, a candidate might go in another direction. My advice would be to uh, fully and as well as you can assess your skill set. So for me, that's a lawyer, uh, legal yep. training. See what holes are in that skill set either currently exist in the compliance function you want to work or you think will exist in 2020, 2025, or even 2030, 
and perhaps get training in those areas where you feel like you have a gap. So for me, it would be quantitative and business process, and that's what I've been trying to. Conversely, if you come from an internal controls, accounting, or forensic background, your uh, gaps may be more in the qualitative. It may be more in communications. It may be more in behavioral psychology. It may be more in law. And move to fill those gaps. I would absolutely agree, yeah. Well, this has really been a, a, a interesting question, and this is certainly one that gets uh, not much play, if at all. So it seemed this pot, this uh, blog post you wrote really resonated with a lot of people. As I recall, you got a lot of comments on it, and uh, I think that's going to be commentary that goes forward, Matt. We shall see. I hope so. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. I hope you'll plan to join Matt and the rest of the Everything Compliance gang at Converge 19 for our first live podcast recording of Everything Compliance. It's going to be a ton of fun. For information on Converge 19, you can check out the show notes to this episode. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.